Well, the Tigers received some horrible news in the morning before the game starts, but still respond with a win. Let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, June 1st. Happy June, everybody, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team. Every day, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All righty. Well, the Detroit Tigers do win a ball game on Wednesday afternoon against the Texas Rangers. They do not get swept. They win 3-2. to two. Love to see it. I talk about it all the time. The difference between 0-3 and 1-2 is so substantial over the course of a season. Not getting swept is so big uh, for not completely just falling apart. And it's also... Very impressive, given the fact that there's no way team morale was not just way down in the morning. There's no way, right? Like, this is a a team that received the news on Wednesday morning that Riley Green had a stress fracture in his left leg, and he will get put on the 10-day IL immediately. There's no way that it's just going to be 10 days. There's no way, honestly, that it's just going to be like 20 days. I would imagine that he will be out for a decent amount of time. Uh, Infamously, I am no doctor, uh, but that's not fun. And anytime you're talking about an injury like that, you're not looking at, oh, you know, he'll be gone for a couple few weeks. You're talking about uh, how many weeks and or months he's going to be out. So we'll see how that develops, but devastating news absolutely devastating news on Wednesday morning before the game even starts uh Jake Marisnik does join the Detroit Tigers he joined the Tigers via Riley Green getting put on the 10 day cleared up the major league roster spot and then Trey Winginter getting moved from the 15 day IL to the 60 day IL if if you're on the 60 man you don't take up a 40 man roster spot if you're not on any of the other injury list, then you do take up a roster spot. So they just made that adjustment. Uh, I'd have not heard really anything about Trey Winginter or where he stands currently, but uh, he has been moved to the 60 to make room for Jake Marisnik. Uh, and then after the game, the Tigers optioned Braden Bristow down to AAA. That will be for, uh, well, I guess we'll talk about it a little bit later, but uh, Reese Olsen will be joining the Detroit Tigers and starting on Friday. We'll talk about that a little bit more on tomorrow's show, but um, yeah, not the news that anyone wanted to hear. And Marisnik had a good game and all that, but uh, I mean, he's obviously not Riley Green, right? <laughs> like here, you're talking about a uh, one of the better talents in baseball. It's still so young, a franchise player that we're building around. That's devastating news. And the Tigers had to turn around and play a ball game on Wednesday, and they got a win. Like I said, avoiding a sweep, very, very big deal over the course of the year. 3-2 to two victory for your Detroit Tigers. 
Let's talk about the offensive performance first uh, because I think that it's a relatively quick conversation. This was a lot of same old, same old. They just did enough to hold on and win this ball game rather than some of the games they've had lately, right? Like they, they lost six to 10 or whatever the other day. Like they only put up three runs and they had 12 base runners on one extra base hit and went two for nine with runners in scoring position. So if you're thinking that, oh, they won, look, the offense completely turned a corner. No, it it was very much the pitching was a much bigger reason for the victory than anything else. They still squandered one bases loaded situation, but they did convert on another sack fly. And then what was that? The error was, or no, that was a single. And then, yeah, anyway, Tigers do do enough. To score, the, the biggest thing in the, the first game post Riley Green injury, which was this ball ballgame, uh, the, the biggest thing that I noticed is just like, I have some sort of confidence at, at when Zach McKinstry and Akil Badu were at the plate. They batted one and two in this game. I legitimately have some confidence that those two will find a way to get on base, Right. I, I, there's a, I, I, I'm a little bit more, I'm feeling a little more relaxed. I'm, I'm a little bit more confident when those two are at the plate. And like I said, in this game, they were at the top of the lineup. After that, that might be it for that feeling at this point. And I'm not trying to be too cynical again. Like we, we did win a ball game. Like, like we did win. And then that's great. I'm so pumped that they avoided the sweep. Very, very big deal to me. Um, but with Riley green gone, this offense is now McKinstry, 832 OPS at the top. Akil Badu, about a 760 OPS right below him today. And then after that, Javi Baez, 581 OPS. Spencer Torgelson, 683. It's been better in May, uh, but still, we, we want to see him still get to another level. Uh, Nick Maton, 612. Jonathan Scope, 564. Tyler Nevin, 492. Zach Short, 923, but that's a very, very small sample size. Jake Rogers, 640. Jake Marisnik, obviously, you know, he, he just took uh, four ABs when going into this game. He only had two on the season. So that confidence goes away quick. You now, after your top two in the lineup, assuming that remotely sticks, and against righties, I'd imagine it will, you then don't have a single player with an OPS above not only 700, but above like 685 if you remove the small sample size people from that discussion. It just, it gets thin really quickly. And if you were looking at the Tigers to turn this corner and be like, hey, we're, 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 if we can just hit with runners in scoring position, we can kind of turn this thing around and maybe go on a run. That's going to be a lot harder to do now than it already was. We already were one of the worst teams in baseball. With, with a guy that, that had an OPS over 800 on the season and about 1,000 in May. Now we don't have that at the top of the lineup. And it just it gets thinner even quicker than it already did. A lot of discussion to be had about what to do with this lineup. We'll talk about that later in the show. Uh, but in general, again, we're focusing on the positives here now. Like they, they did win. A lot of people got hits. A lot of people were getting on base. And I'm so proud of the response from this team. That's like the biggest thing for me is like, this was a game that if they went out there and got absolutely rocked, 
That's how the fan base already felt going into the game, given the news that happened in the morning, right? We, we, we just lost our two best players in the last 24 hours. Nobody's feeling really giddy about the Tigers at the moment. And they very, very easily could have just rolled over and everybody just went like, yep, that's par for the course. That's about how we feel too. And they went out there and they punched a first place team in the mouth uh, and avoided a sweep. And I understand the bar is low. Like we're talking about, we're talking about just avoiding getting swept, but over the course of the season, those really do add up. And I'm, I'm, I was, I was impressed at least that they were able to, they had 11 hits in this ball game. They had 12 base runners, right? One walk, 11 hits. Uh, Spencer Torgelson, I thought, took some pretty solid at-bats in this one. Nick Maton hit a changeup. It's the first changeup he's hit all season. Well, it's the first time he's gotten a hit off of a changeup, I should say, literally all season. So, like, they – Zach Short stayed hot. Rodgers with some timely hitting. Mariznick, obviously the big story of the game, his first game as a Tiger. He gets two hits in an RBI. And looks good in center, which we that one part we knew about. I it, it was a very, very professional and cool, honestly, is just a really simple word to use, and good response by this baseball team to go out there and and, and go up against the pitcher at a sub two ERA going into this ballgame. Starter or reliever mostly throughout the season. I don't care. Those are dang good numbers. And they went out there and, and 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 did enough to win and were consistently getting on base. The risk thing, that's not going anywhere, I don't think. We're far enough into the season. I think that's probably here to stay. So just proud of the boys for going out there and uh, and and still putting their head down, doing doing their jobs, getting the job done, and walking out of there with a win. I think it's very, very impressive still. Okay? Let's talk about the pitching because that is genuinely the reason that we did win this game. And Joey Wentz, who has been struggling mightily lately, went out and only gave up one earned run, albeit a short outing, against the best offense in baseball. We'll talk about that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Game Time. Game Time is the definition of clutch. You can forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Game Time guarantee means you'll get the best price even if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Okay? They know what they are doing over there. You can get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to get, what you get when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps, and you're all set. And they're sent directly to your phone. You don't have to dig through your purse, your wallet, your email, whatever, and find tickets. Just right on your phone. Very, very easy and stress-free. So snag the tickets without the stress of without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code lockdown MLB for $20 off. Of your first purchase, terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate y'all for making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow off day tomorrow. So tomorrow's episode will be, or off day today as you're listening to this. So the Friday show for this week will be, we'll preview the Chicago series, obviously, uh, and talk about Reese Olsen a little bit more in depth in that episode as well. 
But uh, we will be doing kind of a May recap, June look ahead. Obviously, circumstances have changed a lot in the last two days. Uh, so that's going to be a much different recap and look ahead than it would have been uh, if we did that last week. But uh, just kind of put May behind us and uh, May recap, June outlook. There you go. Okay, so talking about the pitching, Joey Wentz starts this ball game. He goes four and a third, seven hits, one earned run, one walk, and five strikeouts. You know, the, the efficiency obviously was not like uber fantastic or anything, and I think they pulled him when they should have. I, I agreed with the decision. I really didn't need to see Joey Wentz go and face that lineup for the, the third time through the order, right? Uh, but I was a lot more impressed after the first inning and then before the fifth, I guess. So like, again, like the bar is low. It wasn't a, a world beating performance, but there was a solid, the second, third and fourth inning there. There's a solid three innings of this ball game where uh, he, he looked pretty solid. And at one point he was kind of feeling himself. He was kind of mowing him down. This is a very, 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 Good Texas Rangers offense, the highest scoring offense in baseball, the most clutch offense in baseball. And uh, and Joey Wentz, again, who has been struggling, went out there and did pretty darn well, all things considered. Yeah, the first inning, he was just throwing the ball right over the middle of the plate, and they were crushing it. I'm pretty sure the first inning, there was five balls with a 99.5 or greater exit velocity, right? that That's not a great start. And I was like, oh, my goodness, we're going to give up. 10 and this is going to be awful and to his credit he buckled down uh the biggest thing in this one he went away from the cutter a little bit which is a little bit off brand the cutter has been one of the big pitches like one of the big revelations about his career is like oh we learned the cutter and he got so much better so that was his third most thrown pitch the four seam fastball was the most thrown that's pretty constant with him through that 41 times out of 82 pitches but he threw the curveball 18 times Second most thrown pitch, uh, had two swings and misses on it, three called strikes, 28% CSW percentage on the curveball, and a 31 on the cutter. The cutter did get crushed when it was hit, uh, which was just the one time. So the secondary stuff was really, really working for him. The biggest thing with him is going to be fastball command. If he is pinpointing the four-seam fastball and putting that where he wants it, he will be able to... He has good enough secondary stuff. Whether you want to believe it or not, always sucks, whatever. He has good enough secondary stuff to play off of a well-located four-seam fastball really well. Uh, the velocity in this game for his four-seam was really solid. I mean, he, he had 96 at one point was sitting 94. So, <clears throat> excuse me, he, he's, he has the stuff. He really does have the stuff to... To, to be, I mean, that an 88 mile an hour cutter is when that got up to today. I think it sat just below 87. Uh, like he has the ability, he has the stuff. It really just consistently comes down to avoiding the heart of the plate. And I know that's such like a captain obvious thing to say, but just like watch his starts. And when, when he's missing his spots and the balls are catching way too much of the plate, obviously he's going to get rocked again. But when he's hitting corners, He's really hitting corners, and even the best offense in baseball today was uh, was was not too effective against him. Gave up seven hits and four to third. Again, not a masterclass performance, but uh, was was able to avoid the clutch hit. Was able to get some some clutch outs there on his end. Five strikeouts and four and a third isn't something to scoff at. Only one walk, 
the command was a lot more solid in this one than it has been in the last three outings, and that, I think, is the biggest reason for But I did like to see the curveball thrown almost 20 times, second most thrown pitch. That, that's something we don't see every day from him. Uh, so I, I was I was pleasantly surprised. It had a good shape on it, I thought, as well. It didn't really hang it too terribly much. Uh, pretty effective. All pitch sequencing. Jake Rogers was fantastic behind the plate yet again. He's one of the best pitch framers in all of baseball. He was stealing quite a few strikes in this ball game. Uh, wasn't the best umpire in the world either, but uh, Jake Rogers, uh, you know, don't get it twisted, is an elite, 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 like one of the top 5% in baseball out of all catchers in pitch framing. He, he is very, very good at his job back there, and, and that certainly helped as well. So, Joey Wentz gets off to a, a, a good start, and then Will Vest comes in and absolutely shoves. And over the weekend, he had one good outing and one rough outing. And to see him go out there and almost pitch two innings, he pitched one and two-thirds of perfect ball, no hits, no runs, no walks, one strikeout. His ERA is down to 284. He continues to be one of the bigger stories out of this bullpen. Again, this was a dude that really struggled in the spring and really struggled in Toledo, and yet they still called him up, and he's been absolutely lights out out of maybe two outings, outside of maybe two outings. So really good to see that as well. Jason Foley then uh, enters the game and goes one and a third, two hits, no earned runs, no walks, one strikeout. His ERA is down to 157 on the year. Had a really clutch double play. And then got a ground ball to get out of the inning as well. Missed a ground ball, baby. One of the four or five best pitchers in all of baseball and inducing ground balls. It's such a cheat code to just have that on your team. It's so awesome to just like anytime you want, just be like, oh, we need a ground ball. Yeah, I can fix that. Like that. that's just such a, a – he doesn't have great swing and miss stuff. He's never going to have a super high K rate or anything. Uh, but I, I cannot express how valuable it is to have an automatic ground ball whenever you want just to like come out of the pen. That's such a cool thing uh, that, that the Detroit Tigers have. That's on your baseball team. Pretty cool. Then Alex Lang, I, I realized after I had uploaded, I think it was Monday's episode. So when I was recapping the White Sox series, I realized that I did not talk about Alex Lang on Sunday. Uh, and in this game, he goes one inning, one walk, two strikeouts, filthy stuff. His ERA is down to one one six on the year. Uh, you, he is certainly uh, it, well. I don't even want to say that with the luck we've had lately. I don't even I don't even want to put that into the world actually. But uh, I, I feel like he he will probably be the the bona fide favorite to represent the Tigers in the Midsummer Classic. But um, you know, I I think uh, what I wanted to say on Monday was in that White Sox game. He didn't throw a strike. Like, that's how nasty he is. He literally did not throw a strike. You can find the spray chart on Baseball Savant, or honestly, some people were tweeting it. I think I retweeted it. You can just go to my Twitter and find it. He, he literally didn't throw a strike. But his stuff moves so much that everybody was fooled, and he still got out of that outing, just com- a perfect outing, completely. Un- he might have walked somebody, but, like, unscathed. No runs given up and a ton of swings and misses, and still got his strikeouts. And in this outing, he threw a a couple of called strikes. He had to because Robbie Grossman batted against him. So you're not going to get Robbie Grossman to chase. Uh, But he's unbelievable. He's absolutely unbelievable. And I look forward to him being on this baseball team for a long time. That's a different discussion we'll have as the summer goes along. There's a lot of people 
that are really like quietly talking about trading Foley or Lang. I don't understand it whatsoever. I, I understand that you're trying to maximize value and, and you want to to trade players when their value is at their highest. I adamantly disagree with trading these two gentlemen. When was the last time you saw a reliever with four and a half years, an elite reliever with four and a half years of control get traded? It doesn't happen. That That's why it's hard to answer that question. It doesn't happen for a reason on both sides of the coin. One, teams don't just love giving up all-star caliber talent with four and a half years of control left. But also, on the flip side, relievers are so volatile and can be great one year and awful the next and really just like go up and down and have crazy up and down careers. It's fine to hard consistent relievers that for a team buying, I don't think you would want to pay more for four and a half years of control on somebody uh, when you could go out there and get spend less, get a rental, and not have to worry about if they're consistently that good for the rest of the time. It just, it, it's not something that happens so long for a reason. And again, we'll talk about that kind of more in depth later, but I, I am very passionate about not trading those two gentlemen. I, I, I think at some point you're going to have to actually build a roster and stop selling. And a rental or someone with a year and a half of control is a lot different than somebody who literally five years from now will still be in a Tigers uniform. It's a lot different, okay? Uh, let's talk about some roster questions. We'll wrap up the game, and then we'll talk about some roster questions that people have just with the Riley Green injury and, honestly, Erod Veerling. Team's been through the ringer the last 48 hours. So we're going to talk about the possibilities that we could see here in June. We will do that right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back here to third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Uh, so, yeah, this was a, this was an impressive win. This, this was a good, impressive victory. Uh, I was very impressed by the bullpen, very impressed by Joey Wentz. Uh, I was proud of the boys offensively for fighting through. And Zach McKinstry continues to be great. Uh, Akil Badu, again, continues to put up really, really solid at-bats. It would not shock me if any time a righty is on the mound, if that's your top two in the lineup. That would not shock me whatsoever. Javi really going through it. He had a double in this game, but it was like a bloop, honestly. like It, it, <laughs> it wasn't like a barreled-up double. It was a little blooper that found its way into the stands. Uh, Torgelson, good ABs. Nick Maytown, we talked about the changeup. Tyler Nevin, I yeah, two hits. That's good. Uh, still kind of have the same feeling about him. Zach Short stays hot. Jake Rogers. Okay, we talked about everyone offensively. Let's get into what this lineup could look like throughout the month of June. So uh, obviously, as we've said a few times now, th there's a lot of holes now, not only in this lineup but in uh, just on this roster with, with with how the last few days have gone. And um, I think. Marisnik's here to stay. Uh, I think I'm fairly confident in that. I think that that's kind of more your veerling replacement that no one's going to replace Riley Green. There is no Riley Green replacement, but I think that they made move that move regardless of what happened to Green. That was just going to be the the replacement for Matt Veerling. Um and because he's uh, I mean his season numbers are kind of or his career numbers are kind of similar to Veerling's season numbers offensively and he's a big time plus defender and he's fast. So I think that that was kind of their way to combat that. Like I said, there is no immediate replacement for Green. I, I think when you're looking in the system and you're like, well, what do we do now, right? What do we do now? Everybody's question. I think that Nevin, Ibanez, and Scope 
are the three that everyone is going to be looking at for the next few weeks. Jonathan Scope, admittedly, has been hitting lefty relievers pretty well lately. So I don't know if that makes him like he's going to last the rest of the season or what. Uh, But I think that that has been a reason why they have kept him around even as long as they have. Nevin, I just, I, I hope I'm wrong. I just don't see major league at bats on a consistent basis. Uh, and w- this, this 40 man is, is deeper than it has been not necessarily with elite talent top to bottom, but, uh, at least they're addressing depth constantly, right? The Marisnik trade is a good sign of a healthy front office. That's all great. Um, but when you're looking at Ibanez and Nevin, I think that those are the options to, if you're going to upgrade and you're going to call somebody up, those are the, uh, the, the first two options. And so Kerry Carpenter's coming back. And that's a good thing. I'm going to knock on wood because I, I can't believe I just said that out loud. Honestly, that's scary that I just said that. But Kerry Carpenter is set to return relatively soon, right? So that immediately adds to the outfield, which you need now because two of your outfielders got hurt. And it greatly improves your power potential, which you desperately need. He was one of the best hitters on the team before he got hurt. Don't have to really reinvent the wheel here. He's going to come back. He's going to be in the heart of this lineup. And uh, he's certainly going to take the spot of either Nevin or Abanez. I'm fairly confident in that. Now, after that, you can either stand pat and just see what you have kind of thing, which they might do. And I'm not saying stand pat for like the rest of the season, but they might just do that move and then kind of lay low for a couple of weeks. See if Ibanez and or Nevin can maybe go on a heater. See if Scope maybe continues to, to hit lefty relievers decently well. I don't know. I know everyone wants to ask about Justin Henry Malloy. Everyone wants to ask about Colt Keith. Uh, and everyone wants to ask about Parker Meadows. Parker Meadows still is struggling against lefties. That is something that he very much needs to address. However, there's with the platooning we already have, that, that's, that's already something that uh, I, I guess it's kind of a pick your poison. Do you want him to come up and be a part of the hinch just like crazy platoon system he has. And then he's just not going to get to hit against lefties. And we're really never going to find out if he can hit lefties. Or do you want him to struggle against them in Toledo until maybe he makes an adjustment and figures it out. And then has a little bit more versatility and free range when he does get called up to the majors, probably later this season. I think most people would choose option B there. I probably would as well. I, I don't think Parker Meadows, his, his numbers this season aren't anything fantastic just in general. I don't think calling him up. I th- last time I checked, I think he had a sub two forty batting average. I, I, I just I, I don't think that calling him up in the immediate future is the move. Now, if Kerry Carpenter was not to return r- relatively soon, this is a much different conversation. I think then they might their hand just might be forced, kind of like what with what they're doing with Reese Olson. They really just don't have any other choice, so they're going with Reese Olson. I think that if Carpenter was not on his way back. We would be having that sort of conversation with Parker Meadows, uh, but unfortunately we don't. Um, and then Austin Meadows, everyone asks about him too. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of saying I don't know. I, I, I get asked all the time. Everybody asks, and I don't blame people. I'm trying to figure out too, just like y'all. I'm probably annoying to other people, what, the people that, that, are, that are bigger than me that I ask and go, can you tell me anything? And they say, I don't know. But I, I don't know, and I don't think anyone knows. 
Um, that's just the situation. He's in the clubhouse, he's in the dugout sometimes. That would obviously help to the outfield depth as well. But I, I, I'm done like predicting when I think Austin Meadows could come back. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We have to just kind of focus on the field and and, and see what see what we have with with what we have. Um, Justin Henry Malloy. We'll we'll end on this, and then again we'll get to resource in tomorrow because that's kind of a different conversation. First off, before Justin Henry Malloy, I lied. Colt Keith is absolutely raking. Uh, I would love to see him in a Tigers uniform. Uh, and it would not shock me if he, I mean, he he's clearly like too good for double A at this point. So uh, I, I don't know what his future holds. Um, I, I don't think it would be a promotion straight to Detroit as much as that would make me cry. And I would honestly love it. Uh, but We'll see what happens. I would imagine they're going to get him some reps in Toledo first. Um, so I would, yeah, maybe pump the brakes a little bit on like bring Keith here. I would love it. I'm down, but I don't think it's going to happen. Justin Henry Malloy, great April, has been struggling in May. Batting average just a little bit over 200. I think it's around 210. Maybe that was earlier in the week. Uh, I, I don't want to say anything that's like 15 batting average points off, but it's definitely not anywhere close to how dominant he was in the month of April. And so also it's important to note defensively on Wednesday, he played his first game of the season in the outfield. He's been at third base all year, DH or third base every single game. Wednesday, he played outfield for the first time. That would lead you to believe if you're going to insinuate some things that he was, they're working on the versatility. They, he, the defense has always been a question mark. They're going to see if he looks decent in the outfield. And then if he hits a little bit better, maybe we can start looking back in that direction. Like we were in April, but he very much has cooled off a ton in the month of May and needs to turn it around there. I also very much hear the argument of, I don't care. I, I feel you, dog. I don't care. Look at the bottom of this lineup and tell me you wouldn't rather have Justin Henry Malloy than Tyler Nevin. I, I'm not going to do that because I, I don't. I would rather have, have uh, JHM. Very much so. But this organization is not going to rush someone, uh, especially, again, no one's going to replace Riley Green. So they're not just going to rush, rush people and, and just call up all the prospects at once and see what happens just because Riley Green got hurt. So we'll see. But the month of June, I personally, I would buckle up. I grab the seatbelt. I'd plug it in, plug it in, buckle it up, whatever. And I'd buckle up because I think even if it's not all at the major league level right away, June is usually a very busy month for roster moves and player personnel changes. And I do not expect the month of June for the Detroit Tigers to be any different. If anything, I expect it to be even more so due to the injuries and the lack of depth within this organization. So buckle up, baby. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Uh, shout, out to, shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow. We will be previewing the White Sox series in Chicago. We'll be talking about Reese Olsen. That decision that was made, he will be uh, the starter on Friday's game. And then we're going to recap May and look ahead to what to expect in June. June is not an easy schedule, let me tell you. So uh, peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby.
go. Oh, I got to find my cool video. Oh, no, I can't find it. There it is. Go Tigers.